On this episode, we talk about how to optimize social media content across channels and whether an in-house or outhouse model is best to do so. With so many different platforms, and their purposes evolving daily, navigating social media can be, well, complicated. Welcome to the Social Media Sucks Podcast from Cupco. Social media. Social media. Social media. Where we unpack the latest trends and help remove the suck from social media. Welcome back to the Social Media Sucks Podcast, you guys. You're tuning in for those of marketing and to get what's happening in the ever-changing social media landscape. So with me today is Taylor Ryan, CEO from Clint Marketing. And then, as always, our beloved CEO, Chris Carbonus. I'm always here. So hello, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Welcome. Tune in. And please tell us a little bit about yourself and Clint Martin. Sure. So my name is Taylor, as you've already stated. I'm a six-time startup founder. I consider myself a startup junkie, growth hacker, mentor, short-time angel investor. Mm. Uh, and yeah, I like building cool shit. So it's a little bit about me. Nice. nice. What about Clint Marketing? So Clint Marketing is a growth hacking and digital marketing agency. I hesitate sometimes using the phrase growth hacking because it either has weird negative connotations or people just don't know what it is. So yeah. sometimes you just kind of throw out the big picture of digital marketing and yeah, we do full spectrum marketing, which I know these days not everybody's into and it's like, you got to go niche. I like learning a lot of different things. So I get a chance to work on all kinds of industries, all kinds of problems and yeah, hopefully make people really happy with the solutions I provide. Nice. That's awesome. Why um, do you think that growth hacking has like such a weird connotation to it? It depends on who you ask. So like I've definitely gotten into these internet fights with you know, fucking losers and myself included. Like, <laughs> you know, why are you calling yourself a hacker? You're not a hacker. Or doesn't that sound like you're doing something nefarious or negative right. with with whatever it is that you're marketing? And parts of it can be very nefarious or like the gray dark hat. arts of marketing. Yeah. You yeah. know, like these days getting access to data is really easy and using that data to your advantage is quite a lot of fun and also yeah. has really interesting yeah. outcomes. Yeah. And not a lot of people are really used to that level of marketing or mm. that level of kind of data enrichment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes data sense. sensitive, right? right? Like it's a, it's a hot topic. Like yeah. it's a sensitive topic actually. It can be with people's data and yeah, et cetera. Absolutely. I mean, so. And why did you call your agency Clint? Marketing. So yeah, it's like multifold. So one is, you know, I, I'm operating here in Denmark and in many cases, and uh, you know, I'm just speaking out of my own experience. It's sometimes really challenging to get a recommendation or to get out in front of Danish clients. Cause it's like, no, we've known each other since like fucking diapers. Right. Whereas if you are somebody that seems like you're kind of part of the tribe, it gets a lot easier. Mm. Okay. So Clint is the Danish word for a cliff. And mm. in many cases, I've built up companies from zero uh, here in Denmark. So of the last four companies that I was either the leader of marketing or the chief marketing officer, they've all had exits. So yeah. one IPO, two acquisitions, and one merger. Yeah. So the idea is building companies up to kind of the peak of a mountain yeah. that overlooks the ocean and they mm -hmm. can decide to continue to work with us or leap off into the great unknown and either fly away or who yeah. knows. Okay, cool. All right. All right. So that's where that comes from. I had <laughs> yeah, no idea. I was like that, for yeah. many, for a couple of years, I mean, we've known each other for a little bit. Yeah. It's, uh, I was like, why did he call it Clint marketing? Being a, you know, a dude from North America. I was like, totally, but I get it. I, you have to have familiarity. I mean, I run into that problem all the time. I very stupidly called us Cubco, which <laughs> Eddie was like, what do you call that? And no Dane can say it. And yeah. uh, so that Coop was very, yeah, Cubco or, uh, 
other things that yeah. I won't mention here, but uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's been difficult. So sometimes I kick myself. I get bit. it, but you know, like there is no perfect alternative because you chose that path, you know, and to wonder what if or like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. I don't know. There's yeah. so many different directions we Who all knows? could have gone. Yeah, yeah. cool. Of well, course, thanks for coming. Yeah. Thanks, you guys. I mean, you're obviously both from agency side, so let's just. Uh, talk about the benefits and challenges of uh, in-house and outhouse marketing like, like the like, benefits of challenging of in-house marketing or out, like outhouse or or both the challenges of both actually we can start okay. with the challenges I got lost well, already, well, you can you can take you can take apart each like I me mean, you can talk about the benefits of in-housing you can talk about challenges and vice versa right okay so i'll take the benefits of in-house marketing yeah like if okay cool. so Clients, okay, for those of you listening who doesn't know uh, what we're talking about when we're talking about in-house versus out-house, it's basically how much uh, of your marketing is done in-house. So how many people you have running marketing? Are you doing it all? Content production, you know, SEO, SEM, social media, uh, you know, all your marketing analytics. Are you doing that all in-house? Or are you also operating with an outhouse model, which is you know using an agency like Clint Marketing or Cubco or whoever else in the in the market? Um, and I guess the question really comes down to how much that is. I don't know. I've I've actually met brands that have it full in house, and I've also met brands that have it full outhouse, and I've also met brands who have a mix. Um, and I think the benefits of in house, if I'm taking that, mm -hmm. is that you. Uh, retain all that knowledge about your brand and about the things that you're developing and the things that you're doing. Um, yeah. You keep that all in-house. You you don't sort of farm that out to an agency who is learning on the job about your brand and learning about, you know, the different things. So there is a benefit, a huge benefit to that. Uh, the other thing is it's very cost effective. Like it's way more cost effective to run in-house than it is out-house. Uh, and when I say cost effective, I don't mean results wise. I'm just talking about the bear you know how much it costs on paper to run my marketing versus using a outhouse or like a, a blended model of in-house and outhouse so i would say those are two of the major benefits yeah of yeah. keeping your marketing in-house totally in-house yes. what do you think about the challenges then yeah i mean there's there's so many different conversations that i'm sure we both get into with either potential clients or old clients on a regular basis about some of the advantages of of using an agency I, I mean that's what we're selling right yeah. uh, so one of the things that I've always found is a lot of people try to reinvent or they try to build from scratch and so like if let's say you're building a new website there are so many great frameworks out there and templates that you should never have to kind of thumb in the air or finger in the air say like Ooh, what section should go first and right. what other section should I build out and what is the kind of rule of thumb in terms of the spacing and all these little things where it's like bruh you already have <laughs> templates that you don't need to reinvent from. Right. I've found personally that a lot of people think they know marketing because marketing on its face value seems really easy. It's like, I've seen a fucking ton of commercials. Yeah. Like I could do marketing, yeah. but then when you actually get into the granular parts of it's holy smokes, it's so difficult and right. you're spinning so many different plates. So in many cases, People are afraid to relinquish any control inside of their company because it's like, no, I want to own it all. And if I give somebody, let's say, social media uh, outside of my organization a chance to run it, that means that I have to concede that I don't know everything mm. yeah, right, and right. I'm not the biggest marketing genius in the world. And some people have that ego where it's like, right. I can't admit that that isn't my strong suit. 
And I've come across that on a very regular basis where people are afraid to let go of not only the control, but to admit like, hey, I'm I'm not certain of how to do this. That's so funny. I don't run into that very much. Really? Yeah. Like I finally, I think that obviously I run into, I mean, I run into very smart people who, who know what they're doing usually. Uh, it's very rare that I run into a marketing manager that I'm like, wow, how did you, <laughs> how did you luck yeah. into this? Yeah. Uh, it's very rare. I have met those that I was like, okay, this is not, this is somehow you got into this, but right. you shouldn't be in this. Mm. Um, I have met those. Um, but I mean, it, yeah, I get what your point is, is that there are some people that are very much like, no, we owe, we know our brand so well. Um, but I think that's also why you want to choose an agency because you want to choose an agency because they don't know you. Sure. Because they, you offer, I mean, a different perspective on how things could be. And I think every brand needs that shakeup every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Like even Red Bull, who does a ton of their own marketing in-house, mm-hmm. like they will need a shakeup. Eventually they will stagnate on what mm-hmm. they are and who they've been and what they've done. And they do great content. Like, don't get me wrong. Like Red Bull's the gold standard when it comes to marketing. Um, there'll come a time where they go, we were too deep in ourselves. We... We lost, you know, yeah. we, we need an outside perspective. We need mm-hmm. somebody who can come in and say, maybe Red Bull could be this and mm-hmm. give them a vision towards a future. And as you guys say, like it's complicated. Marketing can be very complicated in detail, right? So if you have a, if you outsource your marketing to an agency of source, you can have this more high level approach. And then we go into the nitty gritty kind of, because social is ever changing. It, there's always something happening in the SEO fronts, right? So yeah. that's our job to always be updated. And maybe they don't have the resources in house to actually do that Yeah, and be on top of things. Yeah, I mean, you see the model now, a lot of brands will create their own like in-house agencies. And you see this a lot. And I always go, I always like face palm. <laughs> Uh, like Danske Bank is doing that now and there's you know others obviously Arla did it a number of years ago with the barn is what they call it and and I guess what happens what I've seen happen is like it's this constant dance of in-house outhouse right where it's like oh we'll do five years of in-house and we think it's going all great and then they yes. realize that holy shit we're lacking creativity we're lacking efficiencies because we're you know and we're lacking sort of somebody we can whip, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like agencies, I mean, we are the, you know, we're often, you know, getting pushed around by clients in a good way. Don't get me wrong, clients out there watching, <laughs> but we're getting, sure. you know, we're the ones that can be, you know, we're a supplier, we're a partner. So they can be like, hey guys, come on. Yeah. And we'll, you know, we'll throw the young talent at it and they'll work hard and we'll produce amazing results that maybe they can't get internally. But I I also think that's why it's interesting to pull in an agency is because it's like, Hey, I'm not fucking drinking your Kool-Aid. Like I'll take your check and I'll do an amazing job for it, but I don't subscribe to the permissions for the sake of permissions, the innovation theater stuff. Like you can keep that right within the company. I'm not interested and I'm not building that. And I think that's one of the reasons that sometimes, yeah, they get into this. You always see this bundling and unbundling of a lot of different industries. And what you're describing is basically that bundling. Well, we can do it all ourselves. And that's where things gum up because there's bureaucracy, there's permissions, there's politics, politics, like all these things. And it never works, at least in the long run. Yeah. Efficiencies go down because you you do. You get these political discussions that that right. you can't like hang an agency out to dry on. It's like, well, they told us to, this was the right strategy. And it's like, yeah. it's like the rebrand of, of Facebook into meta. 
Like if that How goes. How do you feel hor- about that? I'm curious as another guy that's that's in that space. <laughs> yeah, that might be another discussion. We had we had, <laughs> we had, we, we had yeah, a discussion yeah. yesterday. Not now, damn it. About <laughs> yeah. I don't remember what I said because I can flip flop on that. But I think I took the stance of that. I think it's a. Thing it's, is, a sh- it's a shell. I think you thought. Yeah, it I think was it's kind a paint job. It's, it's interesting. A, I think it's a paint job. But I do think. Um, yeah, going back to sort of what was I talking about? Um, you threw me off too. Sorry, I didn't mean uh, to throw no, like a left turn within, into this, uh, yeah. within companies. You can't you can't push back. Yeah, on, like on an agency if there's something. Yeah, like a rebrand, like to Meta. Like Facebook can't then like go back to Facebook and be like, hey, we screwed up. Yeah, like the Gap. I don't know if you remember a couple oh, of years yeah, ago yeah, they yeah, did yeah. like a rebrand. Like MS Paint looking logo. Yeah, and it was like oh, we screwed up, our agency's dumb, and you know we'll go back to the old logo, right? So they can hang yeah. us out to dry in some ways, and that's fine. Like, that's the relationship, and I understand that. I'm not complaining about it. It's just the way it is. Um, but I think that's also a nice thing in the bureaucracy sort of camp that you can just be like, it's their fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They do this, not us. Good point. Yeah. Really good point. Yeah. yeah. But on the Facebook medicine, I'd like to know your opinion. Like, what, what, what do you think is, is it good? Is From it bad? From the standpoint is of it... rebranding, I, I mean... I I don't understand the the allure of of dropping a name that is so synonymous with a digital experience already. I think you could have carried on with Facebook and Meta as two separate entities, but mm. they're trying to obviously reinvent and they're trying to hit a space that nobody's capitalized on. Like VR's been around since like the fucking 70s. Like yeah. it's it ebbs it's, and flows. Yeah. And it never really takes off. No. And, and I'm sure, yeah, the technology's gotten better, but I, I still don't see, I don't know. I'm, I'm very bearish on the whole idea of that taking off to the point that people are going to be spending more hours yeah. with a headset on, not engaged with people in the real world. And I don't know. I think the whole concept of the hardware paired with, what I can see as far as like floating torsos and engaging. It's like, I don't know. Like what would you want that? <laughs> yeah. That's the point. Like the user experience has to be so much better. I mean, that's why yeah. VR video games are popular is because, well, not popular. I would say they're mildly, <laughs> mildly popular. It's not like uh, my son's not going out and playing, you know, VR games, but right. You know, they're, they're more engaged with Fortnite or whatever else or Roblox, which is like low tech mm. or Minecraft, yeah. which is super low tech. So, you kind of go, you look at the marketplace and you go, well, is VR really, like, is it that hot that people want to spend yeah. their time in it? And I don't think that's that it's there yet. The experience isn't better than, or real even life. close to real life. So it yeah. has to get to that place where it's like, oh, this is better than. Or a supplement at least. Yeah. I mean, at least Facebook and social networking in some ways is was better than other forms of communication at the time. So that's why it progressed. Yeah, but VR is not better forms of interacting with the world. I agree. So, is it actually going to take off? And that's yeah. the problem. But yeah, but I think it is a rebrand, and I think like I don't know if you have any problems with Facebook, but I certainly do. We certainly do. Um, getting, From the standpoint of everything becoming more expensive. Well, or, and also the standpoint of just the ad, like the the service level on ads, on like too. calling up, like you can't get anybody on the phone. To no, deal never. With any, any sort of ad situation ever, even if you spend millions of dollars with them, you can't, like yep. there's nobody you can talk to and be like, hey, can you sort this out for me? It, there is, but they take months or weeks to fix it for you. Yeah, So of it's course. like, it's it's horrible. It's a yeah, horrible situation. There's little niche marketplaces that keep popping up because of the shortcomings of platforms like that. So mm-hmm. I can buy an aged Facebook account that had previously at least established some type of ad campaign. It's not going to be cheap. 
but the idea is I can get back in if I get banned from running ads on my own account. And yeah. that is one of the most frustrating things in the world where it's like, I'm in the space of crypto right now with a number of clients and you really have to play by so many like just esoteric and unclear rules in terms of what you can talk about. You can talk about crypto events. You just can't talk about the currency that might be shilled at the event. It's just like, it, really? Yeah. It boggles the mind. That's okay. interesting. Yeah. Right. Is that, that's because they feel like it's still a cowboy industry. I guess. I, yeah. I don't know. I've, I've never talked to Zuckerberg personally, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would love to figure Zuck, out. He's got to have some crypto. Come on. Well, I, I can't imagine he wouldn't. I mean, the dude's got yeah a ridiculous amount of money. He's I got a bill. He's probably got a billion in Bitcoin, right? I mean, who doesn't these days that's on that level, right? Do you have any Bitcoin? No, I don't. No? No. I'm thinking about NFTs. Do you? I have yeah. a couple yeah, NFTs. Right? I have a few NFTs, but... Uh, I could see you in that space. Nothing exciting. Yeah. <laughs> nothing that I'm like, oh, I could retire next year. <laughs> no. Yeah. You have Cupco for that, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's really going to help me with my retirement. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen our profit margins. Interesting. <laughs> so, okay, getting back on track. Yeah, getting back on track. But interesting discussions, though. Of course, you two would go into that space. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me at all. But, I mean, going back to uh, this agency work, I mean, why do you think uh, there's obviously a lot of benefits and also I don't challenges with outsourcing your marketing department? But if you were to as a brand, build your marketing department. What do you think it should be shaped like? I know that Chris cool. mentioned once upon a time that it should almost, I think you agreed actually with, uh, might agree, that it should almost be built like, like an agency. Do yeah, maybe. But I actually think that now that you're on the, the podcast, I'm like, I kind of would like to have a growth hacker. Actually, yeah. I almost tried to hire you once, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was like... We were <laughs> neck and neck on a, Taylor, a contract. I really want to yeah. hire you, man, because I think that actually you bring a certain set of skills that... Uh, a particular set of skills. Liam Neeson style. Do you feel that? I think that there's... there's uh, and you, you put it very nicely about the data side, like using the data in a particular way that, that increases growth or growth opportunities. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, it, it is the bit of the dark side of, of, of the dark arts of marketing. And it's not so dark that it's like you're breaking the laws or you're doing anything that's uh, unethical. But sure. it is a place where most marketers won't go because it's it's a little. It's, it's a gray zone. A, yeah, it's a gray zone. And it's a little like, you know, same with, uh, you know, hacking social in some ways, like hacking the algorithms. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do that. Uh, will expose your content to more people. It will, you know, it'll increase your marketing efforts. Sure. And most people won't play in those areas simply because, A, they don't know what they're doing and it takes years of sort of plugging and playing and a lot of experimentation to actually find out what is bullshit and what actually is a growth hack. That's, I think, the most part, the biggest part of it is just yeah. experimenting like, oh, you know, I'm going to use, you know, some Phantom Buster over here or this and that's like, yeah. Maybe that's working. Maybe it's not. Or I'm going to use this tool. Maybe that's working. Maybe I'm going to do some, it's a little bit of JavaScript uh, injection here or this. Like, there's a lot of things that you have to experiment with to find out what's crap and what's good. Um, so I think like a growth hacker would be awesome to have on the team. I think that a, a content creator uh, who really knows video is key. Um, and I think uh, a content, I think also graphic design or art direction, like someone who's got both not just graphic design skills, but also skills in a vision of 
how should things look and feel and like be also maybe a little bit of UX in there that can mm. understand like, okay, when we're doing forms or we're doing sort of web landing pages, what sort of works, what doesn't. A kick-ass copywriter that understands pervasive, not pervasive, persuasive content. Mm. Um, somebody that knows how to to sell. And then a, maybe a copywriter that's really good at SEO and just knows how to like pump out a lot of great blog content that can, you know, drive traffic. A social media coordinator. Jump in here anytime. Who no, else would no, you no. add? I, I, I would like where what, you were going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Ooze out. I need an ooze out. You yeah, need right. a project manager, of yeah. course. I need yeah. a project manager yeah. that would run the whole <laughs> shit and actually keep everybody in line and say, like, here's your deadline. Go yeah. and do it. I need that. What else do I need? I need someone to bring me coffee. There you go. Assistant. There go. I need an assistant. Office somebody dog. Somebody to make you laugh. Somebody to make yeah. you cry. I need a Hara. Yeah. I need a Hara. Yeah. As a marketing manager, running the whole stuff, having the vision. The ghostwriter. Yeah. Well, you see that she? You see the shirt that she's wearing today? She no, wore it specifically for you. Hey, I, I like that. Nice. Okay. You need that as a growth hack. Yeah. Yeah. Growing. Yeah. yeah. But that is basically a small agency you're kind of describing, right? Like it's uh, you have yeah, to have those missing? key persons. Well, I can tell you what I've built in the past. So like paid I, media specialist. Yeah, up paid in, media specialist. There you go. Need, yeah. I mean, up until the last two and a half years, I've been building basically individual teams that would have been easily flipped into an agency. Hmm. That's why, it was, in my opinion, it was really easy to walk into the agency world because I took that process-driven approach and the organization that I needed to have within my own companies, as well as being a chief marketing officer of some of these other companies. Mm. I mean, the biggest team that I had was 30, and I found that there was no way to do it unless you really had structure. And so when I recommend now for people building teams, yeah, you start with some form of leadership or project manager at the very top. Somebody has another shit. Like if everybody's just kind of like guessing, it's a disaster. <laughs> Below that, I have a UI UX designer. I think user experience is so important, especially with digital marketing in general, but growth hacking, like super important when you're building things. Beyond that, front end, back end developer, um, uh, a full stack kind of dude, like yeah. so, or girl, so hard to find, dudette, whatever, uh, so hard to find. But every once in a while, you'll find somebody that actually gets it, you know, and they're not, they're, they're not impossible to, to program. Yeah. Because they understand both design and also yes. backend. But it's, it's really hard. I think for me, it's it's getting them to understand the why behind the why, where it's like, you know, go get me a beer out of the fridge. And they'll walk up to the fridge, stop and turn around. They'll be like, you didn't tell me to open the door. And it's like, fuck. Mm. Okay, yeah. go up to the fridge, open the door, pull out a beer. And by the time you give all those directions, it's like, dude, it's, you know, it's eight o'clock. I got to go home. Mm. So, so they like, have to understand the user experience. I think fully. user experience, but the why behind the why of why? we're yeah, doing yeah. this tactic because it gets us a this beer. amount of data. A beer, <laughs> you know, in which case gets me drunk, which puts me in a good mood. You know, like, like you know, the you gotta, then gets you a yeah. raise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, I would definitely say a content writer and copywriter, okay. somebody that's flexible on both sides. Yeah. Somebody that understands SEO uh, okay. from the standpoint of growing organically uh, across all pages. And then, yeah, as you said, like the paid media specialist, it's it's not that hard to get into it, but 
it's one of the hardest careers to start because nobody wants to give money to somebody with no experience. Right. Like, have you ever run campaigns before? And it's no, but I, I imagine it would be interesting. And I've watched a lot of YouTube videos and it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not giving you thousands to play with no. just to learn on my dime. Right. You so, have to know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. So like, like I think I said, it's like that tri- spectrum. Tried a lot of stuff. And yes. Yeah, you mentioned something that I think is interesting. It's not on the, the table here to talk about, but I think it's, one of the things that I think I admire most about you and that you've done really well is on the SEO sort of content growth side. What do you Excellent. think is is working extremely well in that at the moment? Um, you know, in terms of not necessarily social content, but like on-page content. Yeah. What's What do you see right now is happening in that industry that's that's working? Yeah, so like... Google put out its core web vitals uh, at the beginning of this year. Like they were announcing it last year that they were rolling these out. And I've always been super into SEO because it's something that you can make a difference and you can see it in real life and you can track it. Therefore it is a numbers game and Yeah. yeah, like there's intent and like all these other things, but like it is data. And so, yeah, when they rolled out core web vitals, one of the first things that I saw was speed. And they're all about this CLS uh, and boy, it's been a long day, but there's three other, two other uh, major fields that, that they're basically measuring. And the, the, the uh, layout shift is one of those things that I didn't take seriously. So when you load mm. a website and like you see like the boxes kind of go, whoop, whoop, yeah. whoop, here we are. When that happens, Google was penalizing websites to no end. So uh-huh. I fixed that on my own site back in September. I've doubled the amount of keywords that I've gotten within, yeah, two months. Really? And it was that little change. That little shift. Yeah, of fixing the layout shift problem. And, you know, it always comes down to like caching, lazy loading, and a little bit of speed optimization via either image compression or CDN. Yeah, okay. So those things in terms of just focusing purely on site speed. Yeah. Like, dude, it, it makes all the difference right now. Yeah. Like, but you would, would you ever go to an AMP? Like, would you ever do like Google AMP? Like- so AMP pages were all the rage like 10 years ago, Yeah, you know, not. and I do see like shopping experiences. So like Google grades different websites differently. So if you are an e-commerce website, mm-hmm. you are graded more harshly because people are actually shopping more on their phones. Right. So the understanding is if you can't right. get it right, uh, you're screwed. Yeah, AMP- your mobile page has to be rocking on point and yeah. super fast especially on the e-commerce side yeah. yeah we see that actually with a few customers really with one yeah we never we don't really touch e-commerce um oh dude send them t- my way yeah well <laughs> i will yeah. don't I will, honestly they don't time. ever ask me they're always like you know we drive traffic with social and paid ads but we don't yeah. like deal with the on-page stuff but i think um one of the things that i've seen scores wise from some customers on their e-commerce mobile has been abysmal like just like really bad like so bad that you're like how are you even making money like google must just not rank you at all for anything um so yeah so i I hear you The, the the mobile page experience and the speed is is quite important yeah what do you think is relevant for uh measuring uh kpis across what on uh, social on or social, on yeah. social. Okay. when you create when you create this en- engaging social media content like what do you from your different perspective i yeah. think you, you have different approaches of kpis actually well i'm always looking at reach and engagement mm-hmm. i mean those are the two key ones um you know people would argue okay like instagram has you got to get a lot of saves or you got to like that's nice and yeah. Carl would also on our team would be like i love the saves and that's good <laughs> it's an it's a 
precursor or it's a KPI about things doing things well. But I think more importantly, it's it's like because reach and engagement are tied together. If you get good engagement, you're going to get good reach because the algorithm's going to say, okay, this is good content. It's keeping people on our site, which mm. is the key thing. Like you got to remember as a social media content producer or a social media publisher, if you're producing and publishing stuff on, on social media, they want people to stay on the site. So give them reason to, and the social media algorithm gods will reward you with extra reach and extra, you know, impressions. Mm. Um, so it's those those two really, and engagement can be can be saves, but it can be comments, it could be DMs, mm -hmm. it could be shares, it could be um, things like that. So yeah. yeah, yeah. What about your perspective from your for from your end of the table? Yeah, you guys have different clients yeah. than a lot of us. I I almost exclusively nowadays I'm playing in a lot of B two B spaces, and mm -hmm. in many cases it's. It can be smaller companies. We've we've joined together on different contracts for mm -hmm. larger organizations, but it really just depends. Mm -hmm. um, but most of the time when I'm sitting with people, it is ROAS, so return on ad spend yes. yeah. and conversions. Yeah. And that is something that when somebody is not sure if they're gonna be able to keep the lights on for the next three months, they're like, really I need you to double my money. Yeah. Uh, and how fast can you do that? And it's like, okay, <laughs> like let's take a look. You and know, the pressure is much different. Yeah, yeah, very much absolutely. so. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we're dealing with top of the funnel mostly. Yes. Yeah. And you're building. You're. I mean, obviously, we have. We also do a lot of paid media, but you know, organic social hasn't really been traditionally great for you no, know conversion. Nothing. Right. Yeah. Other than maybe, and you wouldn't even put influencer marketing top of the funnel. You'd really put it at bottom of the funnel. Usually if it's like, buy this now with yep. this 20% discount, unless it's like, you know, an influencer post where they're just wearing your shit. But, but I think, uh, you're, you're right. And I think it's a different pressure and I think it's actually, I think it's, it's a really nice place to work in because you can show the money. You can show it like yeah. here it's four times rose or 10 yeah. times or 20 times, whatever it is. Yeah. And if you can do a campaign that's, that's giving you that usually clients are going to be like sign me up where can i get more of this right mm. sure so have you ever found that that um there's like a limit like i often tell clients that it's a funnel and you have to fill the funnel so you have like you might have really good roas now but we got to look also three months ahead 10 months ahead whatever it is i see where you're going yeah like do you ever do you ever acknowledge that or like talk to clients about that at all yeah. So like I've, I hit that wall, uh, back in the days I was at a construction project management software solution. There is an end to how much you can optimize. Mm. I mean, yeah, you can pressure test different segments. You can go after different markets, but at some point you have reached the maximum potential mm. of a campaign or potentially the reach of your total addressable market. Right. So like a buddy of mine works within ejection seats within the F-35 strike fighter. And there's literally, <laughs> yeah. So like, there's five people on the fucking planet that will actually buy this. Yeah. yeah. Literally five. Yeah. And so like we can do some sniper style like <laughs> campaigns on LinkedIn, but realistically, like that is not going to really show numbers over the next five to ten years from the standpoint of an optimization right. of conversions. Yeah. It, you reach that maximum potential, and I never thought that would be the case until I ran into it myself where I was mm. checking the numbers. I'm like, I'm doing everything right. Why 
don't I consistently see a drop in 5% like I have mm-hmm. the last month over month over month over you've month. you've reached the end. That's it. Yeah. And it it does happen. I'm yeah. sure you've experienced it too. Yeah. yeah. We've also had clients that have literally called us and be like, Google says we're done. You can't do <laughs> Yeah. That's Google called us and said, you <laughs> reached the end of Google. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> you win. <I> like <laughs> Which that. is funny, right? So and I'm like, yeah, I guess you can reach the end of like, it's like reaching the end of the Netflix. Well, yeah. You, yeah. I've watched it all. Yeah. And they have. They've reached the end of all the optimization they can do. They can get no more conversions out of it. The number is the number. There's nowhere place to go other than saying, okay, now we take on we sell in Turkey or we sell it and you really have to like then say all right we've uh, uh, we've completely exhausted our addressable market mm-hmm. we need another market we need another product we need another something to sell and then you go and attack that and I think that's really nice that you can actually get to that mm. and that Google or Facebook or whoever will actually call you up and be like you're done bro yeah <laughs> that's it it's interesting you you did good yeah right which I think you know that's where I want to be one day mm. Everyone should go for that. <laughs> yeah, getting a yeah. call from Facebook. Google zero. Nailed it. Google inbox zero. <laughs> There's no more emails here. Do, like but that. do you guys also have some uh, some tips to share when it comes to organic growth? I think on social. On social, yeah. Just buy it all. Just yeah. no buy it organic all. growth. There's with no, crypto. That's not true. <laughs> with crypto, yeah, yeah. I mean, my tips for organic growth are always been, um, you have to. I like scale. I think that most brands underestimate that um, producing more content gives you more opportunities to reach more people. Um, we see that with TikTok, for example, right now. It's like if our clients just decided to say, you know, had the budget to do two more videos a week or 10 more videos a week, they would see 10 times growth usually until you reach a point where you don't. Right? Yeah. And I think that's also like that reaching that Google zero or Google whatever, you maximize Google. It's the same with social. You reach a point where there's no more you could do. Mm. But most brands haven't got to that. Most brands are publishing one post a day on each channel. And it's really, you've got so much more you can do because there people are constantly on the platform and you don't know what's going to go viral until you press publish. So I think that organic social growth really comes down to content growth. How much content can you put out and learn from? Because some stuff's not going to be successful. And then you learn, oh, okay, that didn't work. But most brands don't have enough data actually to make that informed decision. Yeah. They just, they they, they do one post a day and they mm. think that, okay, that didn't work. Why? And it's like, no, you got to publish 30 of those before we have an indication of whether or not that's actually working or not. Because could have been, it wasn't sun. It was sunny that day. No one was on social or it was like raining or like, you know what I mean? You just published at the wrong time yeah. or... You know what I mean? Or the headline was wrong or the caption was wrong. or, hmm. And you just don't have enough data to actually mm-hmm. make the decision that it's good or not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just did a presentation on this, but it was really granular and specific to LinkedIn. Um, but, you know, I, I think it, it applies to all the social media platforms. And if you look at the revenue of LinkedIn over the last 15 years, it's literally doubling every three to five years. And what LinkedIn realized about five years ago was that if they reduced the reach of organic, people would be like, oh, it's not working. Let's fucking throw money on ads. And all of a sudden, everybody's doing it. The same thing happened on Facebook. So you see record returns on on people that are spending money on ads because it's like, yeah, you're not going to reach yeah, anybody organically. Yeah. yeah, that's it. It's the old days of newspapers. Hey, yeah. you're selling a couch, 
hey, you know, hey, you put an ad out in the newspaper, yeah. just like everybody else. Yeah, and you got you're only going to reach ten percent of your audience on a good at day at best, right? So I that's, wish. So you got to yeah, at, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> yeah, I totally know what you mean. It's like holy shit, how did especially on LinkedIn? Oh my god, company pages. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody watching like company pages? I say it's really really difficult. I would much rather you have a content plan that involves your employees to post. You're going to reach way more people. Yep. Right, like wait, like we're talking about dramatic difference between your company page and the people you work with. So if you wanna grow organically on LinkedIn, my advice is don't do your company page, but focus all your attention on your employees. And you're gonna see growth of, of at least impressions of your brand and the lifting up of your people and you're gonna see much better results. People like people. People like people, but uh, the platforms like people. Like platforms, they go to company pages, they're like, okay, this is a company. They can probably pay for their reach. So we're just not gonna, but regular old people aren't gonna pay for reach. There's, yeah. not, there's not even an option to no, do I so. Agree. So they're like, it's very smart of, of LinkedIn and you just have to know that, okay, I'm playing chess against LinkedIn and you just have to sort of say, okay, what do I just want to lay down my queen and just pay or do I wanna actually play this game properly and with a strategy? And that strategy in my mind is using your people. Mm. Or your pawns. That's interesting. Whatever you want to call them. I think it's more fucked up than that. LinkedIn gives you checkered pieces and they're playing chess. <laughs> and so it's like, yo, I, I don't even have the same options. Like, this is unreal. So, like, they've got like magic moves. Yeah. You, you've right. got like, <laughs> like you I can, can only, only go, go diagonal. Go yeah, that's right. <laughs> that, I like that a lot. Well, LinkedIn I, is playing ch chess and you're playing checkers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> by design. Uh, Have yeah. you seen the rollout uh, on LinkedIn of the company pages where it lets you create affiliate pages? So you have an office in Switzerland, yeah. an office in Denmark. Yeah. So the reach of those is basically just fragmenting your overall reach. Mm -hmm. So you're reaching 90% less people by fragmenting your overall reach as a company. Yeah. Yet they're shilling it to be like, yeah, go for it. Because then you have to run ads on Across, each individual oh. affiliate mm -hmm. page. Yeah. Just mind blown. And yeah. people are like, okay, cool. I guess we got to create 10 of them. Yeah. It's just no. yeah, crazy. Keep it to one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's so sad. But it's, it's how you have to play the game. Like you have to know that this is what's happening and, and just know that you're you're you know beholden to the social media gods yeah what are you gonna go to fucking friendster you know <laughs> where else are you gonna go <laughs> like, it's vine LinkedIn. okay vine is yeah. you go to an agency that can advise you properly oh I like it. Yes. <laughs> yes yes there you go Good job. i love it that's 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 a that's uh can we just put that in the podcast exactly. i think uh, that's a summary of put it all flames by can you put flames behind <laughs> quote it uh, quote it please <laughs> quote it yes we'll put yes. it up on the on the screens in here but uh, to end it all, this conversation, I mean, great, you guys have so much. On, yeah, we can uh, keep going. Are you mind? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, we're going to have to invite you back going. weekly yeah. Yeah. for more <laughs> The Taylor and Chris Show. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> that's a new no podcast. That's show. a new Sorry. podcast. You, you can no, outsource no, no, me. No. That's the fine. Taylor, you, and Chris Show. <laughs> but I just want to know from uh, two great minds of this oh, century. No. Oh, no. <laughs> what do you guys think is the future of marketing from your side and from your side? Because you're actually on different parts oh, of marketing, man, right? Like you're in a different space than, than, than we usually are. Yeah, true. Even though that's also just to comprehend how detailed and how big and yeah. vast, massive marketing actually is. Sure. 
Yeah. Do you want me to go? You go. Yeah, yeah, you go. I'm like, I got to think about <laughs> this. This is a good question. Sure. Oh, sorry, Sandra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a very like, future of marketing. Yeah. So like I did a presentation back in, it was 2019. It was like pre-lockdown. It was a tech mm. festival. And that thing still hasn't come back, but it is yeah. what it is. And it yeah. was... Uh, the future is paid and it was basically getting at what you were saying earlier where you want to reach people you're gonna have to pay for it yeah. and I ran through what I called uh, a recipe to bake a cake except instead of a, a real cake that you would eat it was how to generate AI content in less than five minutes using open source material and spending less than a dollar for a full-length article and I did it on stage mm -hmm. and it came out okay and it's like cool so mm -hmm. I'm one person and I did that back in 2019. Go on like AppSumo or just do a Google search for free or inexpensive or cheap AI writer tools. There are dozens popping up every day because yeah. GPT-3 is that Elon so Musk, uh, yeah. yeah, the AI writer kind of yeah. uh, framework. Or we the use brain. Jarvis. Nice, yeah. And yeah. there's so many great tools that continue to pop up with all these use cases. If you are constantly screaming at the top of your lungs, surrounded by a stadium of clones that are also screaming, at some point or another, there is no way to reach anyone. Oh, so it's either, all the same. Yeah. So yeah. either the outcome is you have influencers that are known for being authentic and are only creating stuff that you could not generate on AI which is an interesting play, and I don't know how that'll pan out. Uh, so it's like badges almost, which go figure. Or you literally just have to pay. And yeah. and that sucks, but you know, like that's the world that we're heading towards when everybody can spend under a dollar and make Shakespearean level degree amazing content, whether it's written, yeah. uh, deep fake, whether it's video or yeah. anything else. And that's, that's a scary future, but yeah. also an interesting one to see how can you become kind of the orchestrator of those mm. tools, not necessarily fighting against them? Yeah, that's interesting. I think that's really uh, taking it to, because you definitely see markings of that. Um, for example, like we're trying to rank for, like say we're doing on the SEO side, let's <laughs> say that, let's, let's take it from one specific niche channel sort of thing, SEO side. Mm -hmm. We're finding that we can't break through on things regarding Facebook ads or marketing because BuzzFeed is reporting on everything that Facebook yeah. is doing or TikTok is doing or they they now it's become ubiquitous to talk about social platforms even the Washington Post will be doing stuff about you know Facebook advertising and it's like holy shit we're not just competing with other agencies we're competing with media houses and publishing houses that have thousands of pieces yeah. of content on a particular topic and Google is just going to rank them higher because they've got the breadth and the depth that we can never get to because we can't publish enough articles. You don't have enough authority to get there either. No, exactly, right? So it's a really tough game to be in. And, and it's sort of like on the marketing side, I can also see that for, you know, when we look at every brand is now competing with every indie brand that's out there. I mean, if you're a, a beer, like let's just take that for example, there's so many little brew houses that are producing such good stuff and when we look at the marketplace, we look at people are going towards these things, then they are going towards a Budweiser or a Heineken. So it's, I think the future of marketing is you have to, you have to not be a big brand anymore. Huh. I think Maybe you, it's more the authentic, the, you have to be authentic or have some kind of I don't think it's about story? authentic. I think it's literally like, it's like diversification. People just going anti or, it's, or it's like, 
It is. I think you should, as a brand, start to to devolve your brand. I think, or you should start to try to cannibalize your brand with other brands, because that's what's pushing through the market. This is pushing through the market, not you know. And we see that in the product development side as well. It's like yeah. the more product development you have, the more products you put out, people take notice. So, for example, we deal with a lot of uh, beauty brands, and the product innovation curve on that has gone through the roof. We're talking about not just releasing five or six new products a year, we're talking about five or six new products a month, right? And that sort of level of product innovation hmm. is what people want. They wanna try the latest thing, they wanna try this, they wanna they want to experience a brand that's you know constantly giving them something new. Uh, we look at that on the, like the energy drink side. Like how many monster energy drinks can you release a year? <laughs> There's like 30 new flavors a month. Yeah. It's like, what? I was like, Exclusive flavors. Like peach and tea explosion. Airplane. It's like, and I think that's where either you start to really, really on the marketing side, just talk about new product development and really like push it that way. Or you start to release a lot of indie brands that can be maybe run by an influencer or something like that. And that's how you get through in the marketplace. Hmm. That's where I would take it. All right. Cool perspective, yeah. Yeah, thank you guys for both your perspectives. And there you have it. A great talk with Taylor and Chris about in-housing, out-housing, and how you build your content. We talk like little. <laughs> I know, I know, one second about in-housing. It, like, it was not about <laughs> in-housing at all. How you optimize your content. <laughs> we don't know what marketing. this episode is, just watch it. It's just yeah. good. There's good stuff in this episode, somewhere in there, just gotta There's comb through it. There's a lot of it. stuff. There's <laughs> both in-housing and out-housing. It's like, that's what we talked about. Yeah. Like, I, I talked about in-house and out-house yeah. for like Each 30 seconds. Each of the seconds. questions I ask can be a separate kind of, uh, kind of episode topic. We're gonna do 30 episodes about scaling the content. But. Anyways, you guys, thank you for tuning in and please leave your uh, feedback, your subscription, your thoughts, your likes, your dislikes with us and then get a chance to win a $100 gift card to Chris's favorite website in the whole wide world, Amazon. Hey. <laughs> that little that little niche yes. website, Amazon. So thank you guys so much Up for and listening Thanks and tune for in me. for the next one. Thanks, cool. Taylor. It was really Bye. great to have you. See you guys. Bye. This has been the Social Media Sucks Podcast.